What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on an overcast, uh, muggy, uh, slightly rainy Monday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee, God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, where, of course, Tennessee football is not playing this week, but it, Tennessee is playing in the state of Tennessee, and most importantly, Tennessee football season is here. For those of y'all who have waited eight months, give or take, nearly eight full months, uh, since Tennessee uh, dispatched Clemson in the uh, the Capital One Orange Bowl in Miami, now the Vols are back in the state of Tennessee, opening the season ranked twelfth, uh, playing Virginia at Nissan Stadium, home of the NFL's Tennessee Titans, at noon Eastern, eleven fake Central Time on Saturday. We got a lot to discuss about that, guys. It's game week. Get excited, guys. It's game week. For those of y'all who've been waiting for a long time, it is here. We're going to discuss Tennessee's depth chart, which has been released uh, for the first game. Of course, not not a, a lot of oars on there, a lot of questions, a lot of debate we'll have to do. And then in the second segment, we, we've released our season predictions at GoVols247.com with both the full season snapshot and the uh, the game-by-game predictions that all four of us have made. So with that said, all four of us are on this episode. We got Ben McKee, we got Patrick Brown, we got Ryan Callahan. Fellas, uh, I'll go in order. Ben, Pat, Ryan, how we doing? I'm doing great, Patrick. I will pass the baton to you. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm getting my pre-football season sort of minor illnesses out of the way all at once. Okay, so you sound like couple, Wes. Right, I sound like a 60-year-old smoker. Yeah. Um, I still sound better than Wes, though, to be honest. Probably true. I think so too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Hey, it's it's football. I, I it, it's felt like football season to me because I've been at three high school games in like ten days already. So it's it's it definitely feels like it's time to, for a college game. But but yeah, it's uh, hopefully not going to be as hot in Nashville as it was at the two games I was at last week, where it was dark and it was like almost ninety degrees. It was it was it was bad. So I hope everyone in the stands Saturday in Nashville has better weather, which it looks like. From what I've seen so far, it will be. Yeah. Hashtag Ryan knew it, it, about football season before everyone else. It's true. That is true. It, it feels like two weeks ago that uh, Ben and I were walking out of Madison Square Garden. It feels like one week ago when Ben and I were walking out of uh, TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab Field, I guess, as it's called now in Omaha. And it feels like about one or two days since preseason camp started. But game week is here. Game week is here, right? The grind never stops. That's why we enjoy it. We embrace the grind set and we have a lot to discuss about Tennessee football on this podcast and we're going to get right into it with the depth chart. It has been released as usual. There are a significant number of oars on there and I think at left guard they've put LOL IDK uh, basically over, over there at that spot. But we have a lot to discuss. Surprises, offense, defense, etc. Before we get into, into specifics, guys, just thoughts overall on it. Were there any just shockers for you on this thing? Uh, I don't want to say shockers. Um, I, I do think the level to which the oars were listed was amusing. Yes. Uh, to say the least, I think, uh, like, we at left tackle, like, we know John Campbell is going to be the guy. Um. But at left guard, it generally is. It it you know it could be any one of those guys. They listed Andre Karik, uh, Jackson Lampley, and Ollie Lane. Now it probably won't be Ollie Lane because he's probably going to be starting center on Saturday. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, in the secondary, we know they're going to play a lot of guys there. 
Um, and, and I think I count. I think there's six freshmen on there. I'm interested to see if ultimately there, there, there's a bigger impact from the freshman class um, it, it, on this football team. And I think there will be, but uh, it's kind of what happens when you have a, a veteran laden roster. I mean, we know we know they're going to rotate uh, on the defensive line. We know they're going to rotate a lot in the secondary. They did bracket both cornerback spots, but. Um, I, I think it'll be Slaughter and, and Kamal Haddon as the starters, but Gabe Julie Lally's going to play, and um, Warren Burrell, I think, is as a chance to play too. And, and they listed Brandon Turnage as a, as a second star, which um, I think that's something we mentioned coming out of the second scrimmage that he got some work there. So that's not a not a total surprise, but um, yeah, I mean, not not really anything too surprising. I mean, we know at slot it was going to be Squirrel White and Dante Thornton are, are both going to play there. We'll see who starts, but um, you know, they're not really any huge surprises in terms of the depth chart, at least to me. Uh, the, the the offensive line being in flux is not a surprise because it's been that way kind of for the last uh, couple of, of weeks and, and certainly probably maybe the maybe the biggest note there is that Dane Davis is is you know he's probably played center for about two weeks and he might be a snap away there if, for for however long Cooper Mays is out so not a whole lot of surprises but um yeah I mean I think it's it's we'll see how accurate it is when we get Saturday. And a few mild surprises for me, it, it, like you said, no, nothing major. I was a little bit surprised that Tennessee went to the to the lengths of listing Tyler Barron and Dominic Bailey as co-starters at defensive end. Um, I, I'm not surprised that Bailey might end up. You know, we'll, we'll see what Tyler Barron's you know health situation is Saturday. We'll see if he's out there for the first snap or whatever. But uh, but I I thought Barron at least might get the the courtesy as kind of an incumbent. Uh, a little bit at that position, even though he's not started a ton of games. When you go back and look through his career, he's probably started fewer games than people realize, but that was at least a mild surprise for me. A couple other mild surprises, you know, again, like Dane Davis being bracketed as a co-starter. Uh, I think that's just kind of a way of giving all four of those guys at tackle the, the, the credit and, and they, and they, they might legitimately get all those guys in the game. We'll see how much they, they play others um, at that position. One that's a little bit, you know, maybe off the radar for most people, but kickoff specialist. Uh, that was my, that see. was my surprise. That was my surprise. So I thought that might be bracketed, but but I, I had heard that Josh Turbyville might have might have won that job, and Tennessee straight up listed Turbyville as the guy on on kickoff. Hey specialist. Ryan, so where, Ryan, Ryan, where do you go to school? I, I believe that was Knoxville Catholic. That is true. The greatest high school in the history of the world. That's where he went. Go on. So so, uh, so that was maybe a mild surprise. And the other one for me was going to be one Patrick mentioned, Warren Burrell. I'm not shocked because, again, he's a senior. He's played a lot of football at Tennessee. I just don't know that if – I don't know that he's legitimately in the two deep, and I'll be interested in seeing what his role is. Uh, I thought Ricky Gibson, uh, the freshman cornerback, was one that we might see on the depth chart in some form or fashion, even if it was as a third guy. This this kind of shows you. We've, I've talked about it before. Uh, you see a lot of kind of playing politics, I think, with this depth chart. You're trying to keep guys happy. You're not yeah. wanting guys to think they're behind others that they shouldn't be behind. You're not wanting, you know, pl- players see this stuff. You don't want them to, uh, anybody to be upset about this. And you're trying to to minimize the, <laughs> the issues that might pop up behind the scenes. So I think a lot of situations where they're just trying to play it the safest way possible. And, and in some cases, that's leaving guys off there who, who, you know, you don't want them in on the depth chart over other players in their class, for instance. And and in some cases, it's putting more guys on there just to kind of keep more people happy. But yeah, seventeen oars in all is what I counted on the depth chart. So obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of indecision there. <laughs> if you're looking for actual clarity on who's going to get the first snap and who's second. Well, and I would first say that I would not at all read into too much about this depth chart. We got the depth chart 
two and a half hours ago and I just looked at it two two minutes ago and, and skimmed through it for, for my quick observations. Uh and and not because I'm being lazy or something. It's just it's insignificant. And, and a lot of these depth charts they're put together by the SIDs, uh, and it and it does give it a good general feel uh, for uh, the position as a whole and and guys who could possibly play at that particular position. Uh, I do think it's more for TV broadcasts and, and maybe people who don't cover the team on a daily basis to, to have something to to refer to if they are covering Tennessee in some capacity uh, this week. But but there are certainly I, I don't want to just completely minimize it. There there are some. Some interesting notes, uh, more so on the defensive side than on the offensive side. Really, the only thing that stood out to me on the offensive side was uh, that John Campbell was listed as an or. Gerald Mincy's going in at left tackle when Tennessee's up by five touchdowns late in the second quarter. Uh, that That's when Gerald Mincy is going in this week. And Jalen Wright, in my opinion, is the definitive running back number one going into the opener, going into week one. He has created separation uh, between himself and Dylan Sampson and Jabari Small, and and that's not that Jabari Small or Dylan Sampson have have had bad off-seasons. They've had nice off-seasons and and look good. They're going to produce and and contribute as well, but it just really speaks to how great of an off-season Jalen Wright has had. I mean, he's arguably had the best off-season in the entire program. I mean, he is certainly on on that list and a contender, maybe a front runner for, for that award if we were to give out that award. On the defensive side of the ball, I was surprised to see Elijah Simmons listed uh, just because we're not going to see him play football until October at the very earliest. Uh, he has a lower extremity. I believe Ryan saw him on campus today walking around. And what did you say he was? He was on crutches, if I'm not mistaken. He was. He was not not uh not sure the uh yeah the the specific injury but I I yeah, don't yeah the, like you the, I, I they'll heard boot that's... they'll boot anything or crutch anything these days so that can be a little misleading yeah. but he is definitely right weak. but yeah yes, I've heard but I, I've heard that's a... definitely weeks it's not not a you know might be back for the it, second game I think that's going to be a little longer and that explains why David Hobbs is is listed on he he was a guy that I think some people thought was going to be a defensive end but uh, I think with what happened to Simmons and and Omar Norman Lott sort of managing a little bit of something too and on the injury side of it so uh they they kind of have given him more of a look in there and that's why he's one of the uh, six freshmen that are in this uh, on this depth chart along with nico obviously caleb herring uh arian arian carter uh they put t lander on there i don't think he's gonna play rotational snaps on uh at, at linebacker but we expect Unless to see him injured. on special teams and then Cameron Selden again i don't i'm interested to see if they you know, they try to get him a, a snap or two on offense uh, he he's a guy that you, you probably come out to start a drive with and say okay we're gonna throw him a swing pass or yep. you know something like that but uh, but yeah but go on uh, about the defensive line Ben yes but I was surprised to see Elijah for for that reason I understand Cooper being on here although I would be absolutely stunned if he played this weekend uh, but he he I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility and and honestly like you want to keep Florida kind of guessing with, with that game being just two weeks away but. Uh, Elijah, he, he's got a lower extremity injury and uh, will not be playing until some point in October at the very earliest. Uh, so I was surprised to see him still listed on there. To Ryan's point about the oars along the defensive line uh, and like Tyler Barron and, and Dominic Bailey, I don't at all agree with Ryan's thought process w- with Tyler Barron, but I, 
I was expecting to see three, four guys listed kind of at those different D-line spots just because I think they're going to play so many up front. And, and it's one of the reasons I've been so high on the defensive line is because they have so many guys that can be productive and, and kind of chip in to make it a complete group effort. Uh, and if anybody read my game-by-game game, uh, predictions or brief explanation, uh, there were a couple of games where I single-handedly pointed to uh, Tennessee's defensive front, defensive line, being what sets the tone in Tennessee winning this game or that game. Uh, so I'm really high on that group. And I think that's why you see so many oars up, up front is just because I, I think they're really deep uh, up front, even if they may lack the one bona fide star player like a Derek Brown or Quinnen Williams or, or Derek Barnett, somebody along uh, those lines. The other two things that stood out, I guess, if you want to say that, uh, were in the secondary uh, I was surprised that Danico Slaughter was listed as an or. I think that's more of a a tip to tip of the hat to Gabe Judy Lally more than anything because uh, he has been productive uh, and and he should be listed on the depth chart for sure. I, I think he's going to play a decent amount, um, but I, I figured it might be Kamal Hatton, Warren Burrell, or Gabe Judy Lally. I, I do think those three are, are going to rotate and and play quite a bit and, and maybe kind of like a running back theme of of who has the hot hand um, may, may get to run with the majority of the snaps depending on how the game is is playing out but somebody responded I, I took a photo of the depth chart and posted it on Twitter Patrick obviously posted it on the site as well if you haven't seen it yet I encourage you to go check it out on goballs247.com but I did post it on my personal Twitter account and somebody responded to me and said please tell me that Tennessee is going to be okay at corner uh, and I haven't literally responded yet, but in my head when I saw that, I was thinking, I think that they're going to be okay at corner, and I think that's because Kamal Haddon, Warren Burrell, uh, and Gabe Judy Lally, I think they're going to contribute quite a bit. Um, it, I, again, I've said this before, I don't think they're going to be all SEC players, but I don't I don't think that they're as bad as they've shown in the past, and I think they're going to be solid contributors along with Danico Slaughter. Uh, and then last one real quick, Tamaron McDonald-West, just because he's been banged up, I mean, he was the presumed starter at star all offseason long. And even if, you know, he's one of those veterans that can miss a good chunk of camp and come right back and his spot is his spot, right? But he did miss a healthy amount of of camp uh, because he was banged up, uh, I believe, with a muscle strain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I, I maybe I'm, I'm a little surprised in hindsight that that was not listed as an or with Brandon Turnage because it sounded like Turnage had a nice – uh, fall camp as well and and I don't really think that they're going to push McDonald out of the gates too much because a I don't think they're going to have to against Virginia and b you, you want to make sure he's really ready to go uh, for Florida but uh, just because T-Mac's been banged up a little bit in fall camp I was surprised that they didn't designate that one as an or yeah the one reason I'm not surprised about that is because and again we we have there are rules in place for the moments we actually get to cover practice, and and one of those stipulations is you do not report on what coaches say to players or anything like that, and that makes sense because you know that's you know why would you give away some of your trade secrets or want things out there, you know some things you don't you want to keep in house. But there's one thing I'm I'm fairly certain Tennessee won't mind me saying. Uh, there was a day it was one of the first days that McDonald came back from his injury, and they were going through drills and. You know, Willie Martinez was not frustrated, but kind of just emphasizing that they weren't quite doing exactly what he wanted to do technique-wise and to drill a bunch of the guys. And then McDonald stepped in and did a rep, 
and Martinez just got fired up and he was like, guys, like that, exactly like that. That is exactly how you do it. That's why I trust this guy. And he just made it a point to tell everybody, like, listen, this is why I trust this guy. And then I was like, yeah, he's back. He's starting. Like, like there's no – he was able to get right back into it and, and go do what he needed to do. So as long as there's no conditioning issues or anything like that, I wouldn't be concerned about it. I do have some mild – either mild surprises slash observations. Uh, one is that Ethan Davis is not on this um, at tight end. They only listed two tight ends. That's a little surprising to me. I don't think they can just play two guys there. I think Ethan Davis is going to play. Unless something has happened the past week or two that we are not privy to, I, I don't know why he wouldn't be on there um, because they're going to they play. They to make room for all the oars along the offensive line. That's the only reason he was left out. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah we're, we're going to see Davis. I, I don't know if he's going to be – I, 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 it's hard to know his role. I, you know, will he go out there with a three tight end set? They did a couple times last season. Yeah, uh, but and, he he's a guy that's not on there that I think will play. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, basically Warren's going to do a lot of the same stuff he did last season. Maybe run a few more routes. Uh, Castles is going to do a lot of the stuff Princeton fan did. Not exactly the same stuff, but some of the same stuff. And they're going to roll with with those two a lot of the time. And those are again. The, the, the position in the offense that if you watch Tennessee's offense and watch what those tight ends do at the pace they have to do it from snap to snap, it is incredible. Like the You have to be so smart to play tight end for these guys because you are making decisions so quickly and lining up in so many places and running at a fast rate, and, and you're having to do wildly different things from snap to snap, like the, the skill set, the mental, physical toughness. The, the tight ends, I don't think, ever get quite enough love, even when the stats don't say it. Um, I, I just wonder a couple of things. One, if offensive line play is about trying your best to get your five best guys out there, I wonder why, if Mincy's not starting at tackle, why there's been no even consideration to giving him some reps at guard here and there. Maybe they've done it quietly and not told us. But if you're really desperate to get your best five out there, uh, available without Cooper Mays, I have a hard time believing Mincy's not one of their five best, even if his offseason or camp wasn't quite what people wanted it to be. That's just my personal opinion. And again, that's I, don't, I know less about offensive line than any other position. That's just the facts. Well, but that's just well, if, a thought. If if you're if you're not exactly embracing playing right tackle, you're probably not going to be gung ho about moving to guard. Maybe not. But if you want to get think... on the field, if you want to get on the field, I mean, true. Well, that, but that, that, that's mean, his. That's his biggest issue is is his mentality and, and the way he goes about his business. Wes, to your point, I think in terms of potential, he, he's without a doubt one of your top five, right? If if not top two, top three, but potential doesn't get you on the field. I don't think right now he's one of Tennessee's five best offensive linemen. I trust J.J. Crawford more at right tackle than yep. I trust than I mm-hmm. trust Mincy, and I trust Andre Carrick and Jackson Lampley at left guard more than I trust Mincy sliding in and playing guard. And it does seem like Carrick needs to to maybe make take a, another couple of steps, but it seems like he came on at least a little bit and, and progressed some to, to make you feel better about him towards the end of camp. So I, I just but, don't think Gerald Mincy is one of your best five. He's just, to me, he's got one of those body types. It's rare. Normally, normally offensive linemen look like you either look at somebody and go, well, you're a tackle, you're a guard, you're a center. Now, everybody plays multiple spots, but you can look at a body type and be like, I see what you are. You look like a tackle, you look like a guard. Mincy's one of those rare guys who's like, you know what? You could play just about anywhere. At that 6'6", 337, as athletic as he is, there's a lot of things he could do. I mean, that that's he's bigger than some guards. He just is. So He's, uh, he's, an, he's an NFL body, no doubt. Yeah. But, yeah, to, to Ben's point, I mean, that, let's not forget last year, and Patrick would remember better than me, there may have been some health 
stuff that played into this, but Jeremiah Crawford was the starter for the most of the second half of last season over Mincy. Um, so that, I mean, Mincy was not uh, the I think guy. Some of that season. was, I think some of that was injury, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought so, but I couldn't remember how much of that was injury, but yeah, I mean, Crawford played just as much as Mincy last year and has, you know, just as much claim to that job. And the fact that the fact that, yeah, he's, I think frankly outperformed Mincy. And, and part of that's been that Mincy's not been fully bought in at, at right tackle and has kind of had to go back and forth. They have to get him ready at left tackle too, because he is the primary backup there. So um, sort of, yeah, just the uncertainty about his position and role is I think made his job that much harder and Crawford, meanwhile, has been pretty pretty steady, it sounds like, and has put himself in position to to win that job. So yeah, despite the oars, uh, I think Jeremiah Crawford's the right starter, and he's um, you know he's 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 frankly earned that from what what we've been told about just how how he has looked and how you know not not consistent, I guess you would say Gerald Mincy has been you know even even going back to the spring. Yeah, and a couple other things, just quick notes. Uh, I never care about the defensive line depth chart. I mean, we report on it, but basically Rodney Garner just – it's what Rodney thinks in any given week, any given moment, any given second. Like, you know, it's – he will – that that you will have guys who start games and play like 30, 35 snaps or 40 snaps even. and then Maybe like, not even that many it, for those big guys. But, but yeah, but like the, you might – what I'm saying is you might have guys who start and play 30 reps one week, and then the next week they play like five reps or ten reps and don't start. Yeah. That's just Rodney Garner being Rodney Garner, whether it's certain matchups that he likes or doesn't like or just this guy pissed me off so I'm not going to play him for a while. I like what this guy did here so he's going to play for a while. Rodney Garner just kind of has his own little fiefdom there and just kind of runs it however he sees fit. And really nobody on – on the defensive staff minds because he knows what he's doing there. They, they don't really have to give him a tremendous amount of oversight. A uh, quick thing also, Jeremiah T. Lander, congrats on making the depth chart young man that sort of uh, jives with a lot of what we heard. I think that he's been a pretty solid player and a guy who's going to help this program for several years. I, I think that's uh, no, it's noteworthy that he made it. And then just, I was going to mention uh, Turbyville, but Ryan did, so I don't have to do that. But I will mention what's interesting to me is if you had told me a couple years ago, that that Christian Charles would be listed as an or on the second team depth chart for Tennessee secondary, I would have been very surprised to hear that. Um, it, it's just for whatever reason he's had some trouble staying healthy. He's bounced around a couple of positions. I just thought by this point, and things click for different guys at different times. Um, but just everything we heard about Charles, everything we saw from him as a freshman, some of the stuff he could do on special teams, the the way that he performed, the things we heard in practice. I know they got a lot of guys there, um, but it's a little surprising to me. At least it would have been two years ago if you told me Christian Charles would be a second team or guy at safety going into his third year. Well, he's I, he's been he's been banged up some in camp. I don't know how much done he's done in camp. Go ahead, Ryan. I was gonna say that yeah that that definitely hasn't helped him. I was gonna point that out for sure. I, I mean, I also think we have to keep in mind he was a cornerback all last year. So yeah, and he also got hurt. In. Yeah, his freshman season got hurt, and missed five games too. That yeah. didn't help. So and, and and it clicks at different times, like you said, for everybody. I just I, I don't know that he it's he's there just yet. Like he has all the physical tools to do it. I just think compared to those other guys, you know, interesting to me that Jordan Thomas, despite missing some time, just right back in there uh, with they, the, with they the twos like on the depth lot. chart. They like him a lot, and, and and not listed as an or right. So that that was that was a little bit interesting to me. But uh, but yeah, the fact that Charles is uh, is not solidified as as the second team guy there i think a reflection of the fact that andre turrentine has has had a lot of opportunities and and seems to have made the most of them and put himself in position to to play this year and yeah that charles has missed some time and that he's settling back into a position that he's never really 
gotten to spend an extended time at because he's kind of bounced back and forth the past two years. So hopefully for his sake, he can, he can get settled in there and, and, you know, start to reach his potential as a safety. Cause I I just don't think corner was natural for him. And now he's kind of, you know, maybe still just playing catch up at safety after not really getting to devote uh, a full off season and a full year to that. And when I go about going back to the spring real quick on Charles, before you go West, um, he just looked so much better, so much more comfortable coming down, filling a gap against the run. Much better. He just never really looked comfortable to me at cornerback last season. Yeah, I think it, it, I, a fish out of water might be too strong a term, but but he looked um, certainly more comfortable at safety. Uh, and also, speaking of which, we you just talked about Jordan Thomas a minute ago. He's a really smart kid, and in addition to kind of the length and athleticism and, and a, a ability that he has there, and, you know, Willie Martinez likes older guys, and Jordan Thomas just kind of carries himself like an older guy. So it doesn't really surprise me that he's still, you know, second on that depth chart despite being banged up for a while. Uh, also wanted to mention, while we were on the topic of safeties really quickly, congratulations to uh, Baton Rouge bandit Will Brooks for uh, making the the, the third-team uh, safety spot there. Not a lot of third-teamers hey, are mentioned. He was. Well, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because some people might, might, might be surprised to see his name on there and not John Slaughter, for instance, the freshman uh, from Mississippi. That's I think that's a legitimate reflection of of what he has gotten to do on the practice field. They, they've they've had Brooks in there a lot with the the second team unit, and, uh, and and partly because of injuries, but partly because I think they have a have a good bit of trust in him. So don't be surprised if he gets some some mop up duty at least this season. I think he's you know kind of like William Wright last year. One of those walk-ons who's who's put himself in position to be, you know, maybe counted on as at least a you know a, a backup, not a guy that they want to to play out there extensively, but someone who could come in in a pinch and and probably do just fine. Uh, also wanted to mention it's not a shocker, I don't think, based on what we heard the past week or two uh, after they had you know Cooper Mays go down and and shuffled some guys around the offensive line, but definitely noteworthy that Addison Nichols not on the depth chart at all at center or left. That guard. is he a little surprising. He had shifted away from center to left guard the, the last week or two because it didn't sound like it was it, he was very comfortable at center. You know, certainly at least not right now, ready to be one of those top options there if Cooper Mays does miss some time. And you know, at left guard, it sounds like it's it's shifted more toward Andre Karak and 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 Jackson Lampley being maybe the the, the top guys there. So so we'll see how how that shakes out long term. But if you're looking ahead to next season, at least you know, that's a guy that to me Tennessee needs to be able to count on to to play some sort of role. So, so probably not, not an ideal development, at least that he's not one of those main guys being talked about at left guard right now. And the and, la- and I don't think that's a, nobody needs to write off Addison Nichols yet. Yeah. I mean, this is a yeah. second year player. Uh, when he got here, they asked him to play a position he'd never played in his life. Um, you know, he's had ample opportunity to show that he can play it. And, you know, frankly, I just don't think it's panned out the way that maybe they wanted it to, but that doesn't mean that he's, you know, a bust or anything like that. Um, but to your point, Ryan, it, it's important that he doesn't, you know, mentally get down on himself and, and start to maybe lose confidence because, I mean, he still might be a, a couple snaps away from having to play a lot of, of meaningful football for this team. And uh, again, he's a young player, you know, offensive lineman. You know, it's it's tough to say it in this day and age because, you know, you can get to your third year and be ready and they'll, you know, they'll bring in a, a 60 year portal guy to, you know, take that starting spot you've been working for for two years. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's still too early to write him off, even though, you know, he was a guy that's been mentioned and been in the mix. And now it, it looks like he's maybe not going to be as much of a factor, um, as, as maybe he, it looked like he was going to be at one point, but again, we, we got to see how it plays out. You know, this depth chart might not be entirely 
factual yeah. uh, when they get to to the game on Saturday. And you, you know the way it goes with offensive linemen, it, it, it's kind of a you know it can take a long time to be what you need to be to play there. You know you you could be at a lot of programs, and you can be a good offensive lineman. You're you're still going to be you know, maybe three, four years down the road before you're playing. That that that's we 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 got conditioned. We get conditioned to think that guys, if they're not this great product by their you know second or third year, that that something is seriously wrong. But that that's not at all the case. And a lot of times, a lot of times, it just takes you a little bit longer to get where you need to be. Uh, if I can commandeer this this portion of the press conference, um, I'm going to go through all the oars and I'm going to say who's starting or who's going to play. I'm just going to write down a list. Please go. All right, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright. I think Jalen Wright's the best running back on the team, but those guys are going to play. doesn't matter who starts. Wide receiver, Squirrel Wyatt or Dante Thornton in the slot. I think it'll be Thornton that starts. Well, it might probably be Squirrel that starts, but they're both going to play. <laughs> and y'all can fun. tell me if – and y'all can – y'all can. <laughs> okay, well, if I have to make up my mind, then I'm going to say Jabari Small is going to start because Jabari Small always That's starts. what I say, too. That you're, yeah. if Ben you, is shaking his head at me, and I understand. I, I, at the end um, of the day, they I, go – at the end I, of the day, if, they go with two. Jabari Small – if Jabari Small starts, it'll be simply because he's a senior. That's the well, only that's reason he'll start. Or, or, or they started for two Femi. years. Or a, reflection, or a reflection of the way people in he the program was, feel about him. He was the best running back going into those games last year. He is no longer the best running back going into the games this year at the start of the season. I'll put it this way. I think Jabari, my guess is he starts Saturday. I don't know that it will last beyond Saturday, but I think he gets to start to open the season. That's my guess. But Jalen Wright will but that Jalen Wright will end up with more carries in the game. That's what I think will happen. Jalen Wright starts. Cam Seldon gets the most carries because Tennessee blows out Virginia. Ooh. All right. Sl- slot receiver. I'm going Dante Thornton because um I'm I'm probably driving his bandwagon at this point. Uh tight end is going to be Jacob Warren or what if they start in two tight end set just to throw everyone off. I, would, uh, I, actually, I, was, I actually don't know who gets the first snap there. That 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 one will be interesting to me. Just been saying they're going to start in three three tight end set. <laughs> three three wide, or not three wide, three tight end set. Well, thirteen personnel, right? Hand the ball to Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright takes it seventy five yards after a touchback on the opening kickoff. They're going to get in a T formation out of the pistol. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. We saw some T-formation from Navy the other day. Yes, we did. I think uh, ben just, beautiful. Ben just beautiful. made his bold prediction for Saturday. I can't wait to see that one. <laughs> All right, offensive line. Uh, John Campbell is going to be the left tackle. I think Andre Kark will be the left guard. Uh, Ali Lane will be the center. Spragans is at right guard. We know that. Yes. So shout out Javantes. Um, and then Crawford will be the right tackle. Uh, do I need to do backup oars? Go for mm. it. Uh, I think. I think Pierce will play ahead of Josh Joseph behind Roman Harrison. But again, I mean, they might put them both on the field for that first if it's third and fifteen. Yeah, early in the game, they could be rabbit. Um, they obviously, could be the or defensive tackle is Karat Garland because Elijah Simmons is hurt. Um, I, I think, uh, I want to say Norman Lott should start, but I think it'll be Easton just because Norman Lott is is he's kind of maybe not one hundred percent. Yeah, he's dangerous. Um, I'll. I'll I predicted Dominic Bailey was the starter in the depth chart I did a week ago, so I'm going to stick with him. Um, what, ben, ben, what are you saying an L to? That you took an L and he won't start. <laughs> uh, Don't backup, mind me. I'm trying to. I'm just giving you mess behind the scenes. Backup linebacker is. Uh, it's not going to be Caleb Perry. It's going to be Arian Carter. We all know this. Uh, the cornerbacks are going to be had in slaughter. Uh, now, uh, hadn't had a he was banged up a little bit a couple weeks ago, so maybe he's not all the way back. You could see somebody else there, but 
Uh, as long as he's healthy, I think he's the starter uh, until further notice. Is what that about it? That's all I got? What about backups? The, the backups at corner? Are are you going with the same frame of mind that Callahan went, and that Burrell's not even in the two deep? Uh, I believe Warren Burrell, like Jabari Small, not starting. I believe Warren Burrell is not in the two deep when he's not in the two deep. Agreed. I uh, I think I think Ricky Gibson's in the two deep. I uh, I think Warren Burrell is ahead of Ricky Gibson. I think Burrell's had a nice all season and a nice fall camp and. At least for the opener, he's ahead of Ricky Gibson. Maybe that's different by the time we get to October. No, I think Gibson is – he's the next guy behind – He's trending. Four, he's trending in the right direction. Or five for sure. veterans. Buy your stock in Ricky Gibson. Now and Danico Slaughter, who also met with the media today, he went out of his way when asked who's been right. standing out. He was – was he the only DB that he – He mentioned Judy Lally. Yeah, that's he right. He was like myself, obviously. No, just kidding. Um, and then backup safety, it's Andre Turrentine. I, those other safeties have been banged up. So, I mean, I think they're better now, but still. Uh, last thing before we go to break, guys, uh, oh, you look at this too deep and you look at the – imagine where your mindset was when you looked at the too deep last year. Uh, is this a better-looking overall depth chart? Uh, yes, it yeah. is. It's got a lot of older guys. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of what I've thought of this team for a while. I think the depth overall is better. The question about this team is if it has as many top-end players as last year's team did. So do you have five or six all-SEC-type guys who are who are going to get drafted, or is it a team of a lot of solid players who are going to be pretty good, but not many stars like you know Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker were last year? And you know what I it's think- going to come down to? It's going to come down to Joe Milton the third in the secondary. Yeah. I think the uh, starters are on both sides of the ball, I, I think, kind of looks very similar to last year's depth chart in terms of overall talent and ability. It's just maybe dispersed a, a little bit different. I, I think where you see the difference in the depth chart is like the third guy mentioned, like David Hobbs, Cam Selden, uh, Arion Carter, Jeremiah T. Lander, you know, guys like that. I, I think that's where you see the biggest difference. Um, the the bottom of the roster, that area in terms of talent has been just insanely upgraded. And there's others who deserve to be on this depth chart that that youngsters that is that that are not, and they will be at some point. But like the the guys that are on here, David Hobbs and Arian Carter and Jeremiah T. Lander, like you feel good about those guys' future. I think you do too. And we got a lot more to discuss. Speaking of the future, uh, we're, we're going to discuss. We got a lot of time this week to discuss Virginia. We got a couple of their podcasts. We're going to have time to do that. But uh, we, we also did our season predictions on the site. You know, the last in the past few days, we've, we've done the, the, the overall season predictions. Uh, came over the weekend. And then today, as we're recording this Monday morning, we dropped the game by game predictions where not all of us were on the same page with some games, and I think that always makes for a fun discussion. So we're going to step away for a quick break, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we're going to come back and talk about game-by-game predictions and where we disagree and where we think our coworkers may be either really smart or really not smart. So we'll discuss that here in a second. Hashtag ad. Money! 
Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you with the full crew here. We got uh, Patrick Brown, we got Ben McKee, we got Ryan Callahan. We are discussing Tennessee football in this episode, as we will be doing with most of our podcasts. Obviously, for the next four months uh, and change, it is football time in Tennessee. 12th Mike Vols will, uh, we can't say host technically because they're playing uh, Virginia, but it, and it's not in Knoxville, but it's in Nashville. So de facto Tennessee uh, playing in its home away from home, I suppose, at, uh, at Nissan Stadium, the home of the Tennessee Titans, noon Eastern on ABC, which of course is not CBS, so it's not the greatest network in the history of the world, but it's it, it's not a bad place to watch some football. That's where Tennessee will be, noon Eastern, 11 Central on Saturday. We got a lot to discuss about that game and about other games this season, and we're going to do that. Before we do that, though, just a quick request from our end. Please take about a minute out of your day. Please go in, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website there at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. We love you still. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. However, uh, since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in and do what really helps us, which is to uh, go in there, Spotify, uh, obviously Apple Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon. Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast, but we do it for free, and so we want you to do that stuff, so please go tell do that stuff. Tell your friends also. Go tell people that you see around town. That helps us out a lot. You would be stunned to know how many people have gotten to this podcast just because other people have done old-fashioned uh, tell them, tell people stuff. You know, we not used to always, we didn't used to always text all the time. We would actually talk to people. So uh, text or tell, text or tell, text or call. However you contact people, tell them about this podcast, please. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. On to the predictions, guys. Um, I believe we've got what uh, we have. What two ten and twos, two nine and threes? Was that was that the uh, the final tally on predictions what, for the season? Wes, you and I, you and I are ten and two, um, and then. Uh, Ben and Ryan are the Negavols at nine and three. Yeah, to to me, it came down to the fact that I thought Tennessee might be a three loss team, but I didn't know where I saw a third loss for sure. And and, excuse me, I I just looked at maybe a better chance of beating Bama than losing some of those other games. So that's how I came at ten and two. Pat, how did you get to ten and two? So uh, we we should combine these. uh, West predicted ten and two with losses to Alabama and Georgia. Correct. Correct. I predicted ten and two, and I got a little uh, frisky and predicted a win at Alabama and a loss the next week to Kentucky. You can yell at me now and later, um, and Georgia. Ben went nine and three with losses to Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A and M, mm-hmm. uh, and Ryan went nine and three with losses to Alabama, Georgia, and Kentucky. Uh, so we all we should be mentioned. We all picked wins against Florida mm-hmm. in Gainesville. Um, shocker! Shocker! <laughs> Nobody went out on that limb, um, and then I tried to distract people from the fact I picked them to lose at Kentucky by saying, hey, they're going to win in Alabama, and that's why they're going to lose to Kentucky. So, um, yeah, did I get that recap right for everyone? Yeah, and we all yeah, and we all predicted losses to Georgia. So let's yeah, just get you know, that we all predicted way. wins. Everybody predicted losses to Georgia. Everybody predicted wins against Virginia, Austin P, Florida, UTSA, South Carolina. We all have Tennessee starting 5-0. and um, and then Vanderbilt win, Missouri, 
We had some fun with the Missouri comments, I, I would have to say, because we just, you know, Tennessee's beating the crap out of them and, last and two years. And just because Drinkwitz is such a nerd. I mean, he, He's and, a dork. He, yeah, he, he, he and Beamer are both just versions of um, of sort of annoying in different ways. And and UConn as well. So um, I guess should we give Ben the floor since he picked a loss to Texas A&M? I'm fascinated nope. to hear this one. We're giving you the floor because you picked a loss to Kentucky and uh, I, Alabama. It's, it's is that three. simple for you? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just going to echo what I wrote in that I don't know who Alabama's quarterback's going to be, but it's not Bryce Young, and that's all I need to know because he bailed them out several times uh, last season. I mean, they would have been 8-4 and four with anyone else other quarterback because he led them to drive against Texas, and, uh, I mean, he led them to – I mean, I kind of think he bailed them out against Ole Miss. He almost had – took them on his back and beat Tennessee and Al, uh, LSU with him. What I mean, a performance too. he had in Neyland, too. My God, what so, a performance So, I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, Jalen Milrow might be the guy. He might be good, but he's not going to be that guy. I mean, and, and I think there's some other holes. I don't want to say holes because a lot of teams would trade Alabama's roster, but there's some other positions on that roster that maybe aren't like 2020 or past iterations of championship Alabama team teams. So, um yeah, and you know, I, I don't, you know, Tennessee's won that game now, so they're not going to go in there scared. They were competitive two years ago with a much more inferior roster. Um, so I just, you know, I, I was feeling kind of frisky, and I just said I'd pick, I'd pick him to, to, you know, to to win at Alabama, and it, you know, it would be kind of, it would be very Tennessee-ish, right? I mean, last year they beat Alabama and Florida, and then they turn around and lose to South Carolina. So wouldn't it be Tennessee to beat Alabama, Florida again, and then lose to somebody you maybe not supposed to? to lose to like a Kentucky. Um, so the reason I went, that's the reason I went for the win against Alabama. And then all the only reason I put for, uh, losing to Kentucky was it was the Alabama hangover game. That's all all you need to know. And that's back to back (laughs) tough road uh, games too. So yeah. Well, I mean, mean, if I had to pick them to lose Alabama, I would not have picked them to lose to Kentucky. So this is my, I'm playing out as a chronological as it happens scenario is what I'm doing. Well, and I, I I picked them to lose to Kentucky also, so I should I should probably weigh in on that at this point. Uh, so I, I had them at nine and three, and I'm. Did you I, pick I, them I, to beat Alabama? I did not. Um, yeah, so there you I, go. Wet blanket, I've, I've Callahan. Been, no, I've been I've been very on the fence about this team being nine and three versus ten and two. I, I could absolutely see uh, ten and two being a possibility, and, and think it's a real possibility, but. I'd probably lean 55-45 on, on this being a nine-win team. And I think the reason for that, the main reason is, um, I think the depth at a couple positions still might come back to haunt them. The offensive line, you know, if there are a couple injuries there, we've seen what the injury to Cooper Mays has already done to them. And, you know, tight end, they're pretty thin. Um, I, I, I think there's a couple positions like that where if a couple guys go down, there is a, there is a noticeable drop-off. So that that's where I would start. But, um, the, the other big wild card to me is still how how good is Joe Milton? I think Joe Milton's yep. going to have a fine year, but when it comes down to it, and he has to go win them a game, say on the road at Alabama, or even in a close game at, at a place like Kentucky, is he going to have the ability like Hendon Hooker did last year to to make those plays and, and help Tennessee pull out a tough game? We've not seen that yet from him, so. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing that. So just those questions kind of led me to think nine, three is more likely, but on the same token, I didn't know where to go with the third loss. Um, and as you go through it game by game, that's the only problem with what I picked. And I said, I said in the story, I don't feel very confident in saying that, that Kentucky is going to be that third loss. 
But the problem is, if Tennessee sort of gets the ball rolling and gets to midseason at 6-0, and is it really going to go that way where they lose back-to-back games at Alabama and Kentucky? That's tough. Um, one reason I think that I decided to go with Kentucky is I just think Kentucky's going to be a little bit better this year. I think you know we saw last year they weren't very good with Will Levis. I think getting Liam Cohen back as offensive coordinator is a big deal. And more importantly, I think getting Devin Leary at quarterback is a big deal. I think he's an upgrade, frankly, at least for the college level, over Will Levis. And I think they're going to be better with those wide receivers being, you know, they've, they've got some talented young receivers who are now back as, as, as sophomores. Those guys are going to make some plays with Devin Leary at quarterback. So I, I think that's a team that can maybe score with Tennessee in a game like that. And that's, that's why I decided to go with that. Plus, sometimes the week after playing a Georgia or an Alabama we see sometimes that teams are just kind of beaten up a little bit. There could be some injuries, could be just some, just the the physical wear and tear of playing a game like that. If the Alabama game is a is a grueling, tough, uh, hard fought game, that that maybe Tennessee shows some physical effects of that the next week in, in a tough road game against Kentucky. So I don't I don't feel confident in it, but that one made more sense to me than picking them to lose to say Texas A and M, who I still think is like a seven win team, or Missouri, who I've seen some people say is a worrisome game for Tennessee I just I don't know I'll believe that one when I see it so yeah Kentucky we said just, the same about the other Columbia last year just to throw that out right there, like we did I'll say for for me it came down to Kentucky or South Carolina if I was going to pick a third loss I thought it had to be one of those two because to me they've got the quarterbacks to beat Tennessee I'm not sure about the other teams I think Kentucky and South Carolina on the right day with Spencer Rattler and Devin Leary could could outscore Tennessee uh, if they can just get a few stops on defense and make it, you know, make make it tough for Joe Milton here and there, they could win those games. So that those are the two I was kind of waffling between for the for the third loss. I, I don't feel extremely confident about it, but I, I do think nine and three is where I lean as being the most likely outcome. But at the same time, again, I still think ten and two is very much in the discussion. Yeah, I, I just have a, no. Go ahead, Ben. Go. You go ahead. I, I think I, I said this a little bit earlier, but every year. You know, you have to look at not just the team, but you have to look that you cover, but you have to look at the other teams across the the, the league, across the country, because none of them are the exact same team. They've all gotten better, or they've all gotten worse, and, and they're all, they're going to have injuries pop up. You also some years you might have a Tennessee team that you pick to go ten and two, and you think that's a better team than a Tennessee team that went eleven and one or twelve and zero. Like it's just who the who that team plays what kind of day they're having when they play them, when they get them on the schedule. There are a lot of factors. So it's not just like this team, you know, team X went 10 and two or 11 and two, this roster looks a little bit better. So I'm picking a one loss season. That's not how it goes. I mean, you, you have to look at sort of the, the season as it unfolds in, in different games. And so that's why predicting things is such a, it's it's fun, but it's ultimately you know futile most of the time. Like even if you get your, even if you get the record right, you rarely get the ones that, in order that you expected them to go. And, and so I just went, okay, I think the Tennessee's playing 12 games this season, uh, in the regular season. I see two rosters better than Tennessee's. I'm going to put those as losses, and I see 10 rosters. I think Tennessee's better than I'm picking wins in those games. So so that's maybe like the the most milquetoast, safe way you could do things. I understand that. But I just don't – with the way that Tennessee-Bama game ended last year – Going back to T-Town, almost certainly going to be a, like a prime time or, or a 3.30. Like it's going to be a big game, big atmosphere. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of people in Crimson rallying around the flag for that one. And that's going to be a viper's nest. And I think that's going to be a really tough game for Tennessee to win. I just do. And Georgia coming to Knoxville, I know Georgia's got a new quarterback, but that roster, 
I don't know how you screw it up. Like, I think that team, that defense has got some stuff figured out against Tennessee that nobody else has. Even Alabama, nobody's come close to doing what Georgia's done to them. South Carolina, they sort of imploded. That was not the same thing. Tennessee just didn't play well. But Georgia just actually outplayed Tennessee and, and significantly just held Tennessee in check. And I think they've got some stuff figured out there with that. With that, And they got the, the, the athleticism and size in the secondary. That's a bad matchup for Tennessee in a lot of ways because they can do to Tennessee what almost nobody else can do. So that's how I got where I got. Now, A&M, I actually thought kind of long and hard about that one. And I, if I was going to pick a third loss, that might have been, been where I went because that game to me is so fascinating. I don't know how many situations in college football are more fascinating than what's going on at College Station right now. You took what was an absolute disaster of a season last year and, and a volatile situation, and you've added Bobby Petrino into the elixir. So it, it, it's like... That could go really, really well, or that could be a comical, comical, clown-sized just ball of crap. Like, we don't know. Is Jimbo going to let Petrino run that system? Is, or is he going to meddle in it like the way Fulmer did with Clawson? Like, there's all kinds of really interesting things there. But that team, at the end of the day, I think has one of the five best rosters in the league. And if that game were in College Station, I think I very well might have picked Tennessee to lose that game. It's in Neyland, so I picked Tennessee to win that game. But that game, to me, is that one and UTSA are the two most sort of people not talking about them, but they actually could be lost kind of games. And, and so I'm not surprised that somebody that that somebody on the staff picked Tennessee to lose one of those games because I think that's very much possible. Well, and Tennessee's not losing to to, to UTSA, and I, I was closer. To, I was closer to picking them to lose to UTSA than to AM. I think AM is going to be a dumpster fire by mid October. Well, can we talk for just a minute before Ben gets his prediction about the fact that none of us? It sounds no, like no. Let's any, let's not let Ben talk. No, about about how none of us gave any consideration to picking Tennessee to lose to Florida, even West. Oh no, who, I did, I did, I did, I did. But oh, okay. they they beat them last year. They beat them last year. And but this is at the swamp. They it is at the swamp, years. but I don't know. Like, the one thing I put in the story, and I mean this, is that that is the game, like, Florida could at some point get, like, a flashpoint that really just kind of turns that whole era because they've been recruiting pretty well. I don't think Napier's an idiot. I think he is a guy who is trying to change the way fundamentally they do a lot of things in Gainesville, and there's always going to be resistance to that when you've been one of the most successful programs in the country for a while. So... I think there's naturally going to be some – they're going to reach some inflection points there. And if Tennessee allows Florida you know, to win that game in Gainesville, maybe the entire Napier era starts to change. And so the, the rest of the SEC, not just Tennessee, but the rest of the SEC, really needs Tennessee to go take care of business there because you don't want to be the team that gets that Florida program going again. You don't want to do that. Historically, that's not good for the rest of college football. So I, I have talked to some people who think Billy Napier is low-key a little bit more confident than people think he would be in this situation, that he thinks they might be pretty good. Now, there's not any coach out there saying, yeah, we're probably going five and seven. So Yeah, even, even, even Clark Lee's confident. Yeah, but but like I, I some people think that Florida like thinks it's sort of lying in the weeds and might go eight and four. And so I, I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm really skeptical of that. I think they're more five and seven than eight and four, but I just thought it was really interesting that there's been aside from West, maybe a little bit, that none of us really thought for a second about Tennessee going to the swamp and winning something they haven't done in twenty years. I I, I thought that was one that one of us might go on just because Tennessee hasn't done it in a while. Ben, do we need to know you, you, you picked the AM loss. We need to hear from you on this. We do. 
and, and your record and your reasons for the picking the, the games that you did. I have Tennessee going nine and three instead of ten and two because I, I place a lot of emphasis on on the play of the trenches and the line of scrimmage when uh, predicting seasons and and outcomes with individual games. I, I think successful uh, football, just generally speaking, starts with having a strong offensive line, having a strong defensive line. Obviously, you can overcome some deficiencies in those areas, but just generally speaking. I think having a strong offensive line and a strong defensive line is the makings of a good football team. We saw it last year with Tennessee. Uh, The difference between Tennessee winning eight games and 11 games was the step that the offensive line took and the step that the defensive line took. I mean, they they took – I mean, this time last year, like we didn't feel the way we ended up feeling about those two positions in August. I mean, the the offensive line in in August was a a huge – question mark uh, and I guess technically I had not started working with y'all just yet so I don't I don't know exactly what y'all's feelings were at the time but personally uh, I had some questions about Tennessee's offensive line I thought it'd be solid but I didn't think it would dominate like it did and I thought Tennessee's defensive line would be solid but I didn't think it would dominate like it did at times last season so uh, that's kind of the basis of my predictions just generally speaking and, and when you look at the schedule I picked wins over Kentucky, South Carolina, and Florida because I think Florida has offensive line issues. I think South Carolina has offensive line issues. And like I said earlier, if you read the the game-by-game descriptions of why I picked win or loss, I mentioned that I think Tennessee's defensive front is going to set the tone against Florida in the swamp. I don't like Florida's passing game with Graham Mertz and and a receiver room that has a, a nice Ricky Pearsall, but nobody else really after him. A, a bunch of youngsters in that room. They're going to rely heavily on the run. Uh, Montreal yeah. Johnson, uh, Trevor Etienne, those are two of the best backs in the league. Uh, Florida might have the best running back tandem in the SEC. They, they are really, really good, but their offensive line has big-time question marks, and I think Tennessee's defensive line is, is going to bottle up the run and, and – uh, I think it'll be a, a close game because it's in the swamp, um, but I, I do think Tennessee ultimately pulls out a win by 10 or 14 because of the defensive line setting the tone. And, and same for South Carolina. I think you worry about, if you're a defensive coordinator, if you're Tim Banks, you worry about Spencer Rattler catching fire. Uh, and, and Juice Wells, their, their receiver, many consider him to be the best returning receiver in the SEC, so that's kind of a, a dynamic duo right there. Uh, but they're relying on to carry on Joiner to to move over to running back and and you know pick up like he didn't change positions after playing quarterback and receiver the last four years and uh, they also have concerns with their offensive line and, and I just think that's a recipe for for failure if you're South Carolina going up against a a Tennessee defensive front that I think is going to be really good so that's why I picked wins over Carolina and Florida and and same with Kentucky as well. I think that one is going to be a, a very, very tough game for Tennessee. It's it's not going to be a cakewalk uh, like many fans think. They're not going to show up and win because the logo is on the side of the helmet. Uh, that, that It doesn't work like that. And they have big-time receivers like Ryan pointed out, and, and I think Devin Leary, Devin Leary is, is going to be awesome. Um, but, again, they have question marks along the offensive line. And, and it seems like their O-line is going to be better than it was last year. Last year it was a disaster, but – uh, right now, it's a, a question. That's mark, the big question. The Huge question. Yep. Yep. And you know they're going to have a good defense. They they they're going to have a strong uh, running back group uh, w- with 
I think it's Ray Ray Davis uh, coming over from from Vanderbilt. He's really really talented. Uh, Devin Leary, Devin Leary, really talented. They have several talented receivers, but that that team will go as the offensive line goes. And right now, I trust Tennessee's defensive front more than that old line. So, uh, and and like I do think, you know, kind of like Tennessee and Florida over the years, I I do think that maybe it creeps in into the head of Kentucky that no matter what, no matter how good they've been, they haven't been able to knock off Tennessee. Mark Stoops just has not been able to do it outside, what, two seasons since he's been there. So I, I do think that also played in into my prediction. In terms of like the A&M game, I don't think a and going to be a, a, a dumpster fire. Do I realize that it's a possibility? Yes, I recognize that. I just don't think it's going to happen. Do I think they're going to go win the SEC West or, or win – uh, a national championship and make the playoffs? No, I, I don't believe that. But I think they're they're going to be a pretty good team. I, I think they're going to be eight to nine wins, and, and if everything goes perfectly, I I think they can flirt with with ten wins. They have as much talent as anybody in the SEC behind Georgia and Alabama. And going back to to my talk about the line of scrimmage, like right now Tennessee's O line is a question mark, and, and maybe I feel differently by the time we get to that game. But right now. Tennessee's O-line is a question mark, as we've talked in depth all throughout this month. And as as much drama as as there's been in that A&M program, like the one kind of steady Eddie is that defensive front has continued to be good. That, that defense has been pretty rock solid, especially mm-hmm. up front. And they've got some dudes. So that, that's kind of why I, I picked that game as a loss. And, and I described this in, in my season predictions that, like, I do think Tennessee's better than A&M. I think Tennessee's better than Kentucky. I think Tennessee's better than South Carolina. I think on paper in the preseason, I think those games are W's. And, and I know that sounds weird because I did pick Tennessee to lose to A&M. But I have an overall opinion that is separate that I think this is more of a 9-3 and three football team because the depth isn't quite where it needs to be just yet. And... They've got some questions that they need to answer. I think they lose to Alabama. I think they lose to Georgia. And I just kind of think a third loss is is in there. I don't really know which game it is, but I think there is one in there. And I think the most likely candidate is A&M. So that's why I picked that one as a loss. With Alabama and Georgia, I mean, I just think Alabama, that's that's going to be a hornet's nest for for Tennessee. And and again, I think Tennessee can absolutely go in, go in there and win that game. Uh, but I do think it's going to be tough. Uh, I agree with everything Patrick said about Bryce Young earlier, but I do think the support is going to be infinitely better than it was a season ago. There are some questions at receiver that they've been very inconsistent catching the football. Um, but on the flip side of that, in terms of positives from fall camp at Alabama, their defense sounds ridiculous right now. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like it's going to be one of those vintage Nick Saban defenses, and and we'll see how it plays out in the season. Maybe that's the, the typical Alabama preseason hype. Uh, and it also sounds like their offensive line has a bunch of road graders up front, uh, which could help a, a dynamic uh, Jalen Milrow. Which uh, should always is, be the case with the way they recruit. It should be the case every year. It, it absolutely should. And, and he's electric with the football in his hands. We'll, we'll see what he does as a passer, but there, there's no denying his ability as a as a ball carrier. And they have some nice running backs back there as well. So, and I also do think the the Alabama quarterback situation is being a little overblown. I think people are seeing no Tua or Mac or uh, Jalen or or Bryce and thinking, oh, Alabama's taking a huge step back. Like, I don't think any of their options are bad. I just don't think they're great. And there's a difference in Missouri's quarterback situation and Alabama's quarterback situation. They just, they just don't have guys. a 
they don't have a Heisman finalist. That's it. Right. It, it's it, right. But it, but it's hard to win at such up, a high then. level without that now at quarterback. It's just it's 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 a different yeah, era. Yeah. I mean, t- ten years ago you could win with a game manager like Jay Coker. Now you need that superstar, and that's why Alabama went away from from those guys. Um, all all you need to know about Alabama is that they're playing MTSU this week. They're not going to name a starter. They didn't even release a depth chart on Monday, so uh, they must not like their team if they're doing all that stuff. <laughs> to Ben's point, though, their defense, I think, is really good, and that's the one difference about last year is that Tennessee could go out there and go score for score with Bryce Young and, and win the game at the end. If they get into that kind of game this year, I'll be a little surprised. I think Tennessee can score maybe 30 on them. I don't know that they're going to go out and score 40 or 50. Yeah, but well, would I mean, you not Kevin say Steele's Tennessee's – yeah. Kevin Stills' defense gave up 45 and 507 yards to MTSU. Oh, that's who they play Saturday. No wonder they're being so secretive. I also <laughs> like. I just I, I hate thinking with this thought process, but I just also like going into Bryant Denny after what happened. Well, it won't last be that year. big of a deal. That, that's Texas that's my thing, Ben. Two and wins. That's my thing, Ben. I think it's it's, it's there's a hornet's nest. There's gonna now, be I, there's gonna be a I lot of. Think, I mean. The other reason on I a neutral side, that's a I think on a neutral side it's a, a 50-50 game, honestly. And honestly, I give Alabama the edge because it's in Tuscaloosa. And to Patrick's point about the quarterbacks, again, I'm not saying that it's not a weird situation. I just don't think it's as bad and detrimental as some are making it out to be. But hey, by the time October rolls around, and this applies to Georgia as well. That's a huge question mark. I actually have more concerns about Georgia's offense than I do Alabama's offense because Carson Beck is a huge question mark, and they have a legitimate situation at, at running back. There, there was already some concern with their depth at running back uh, before Branson Robinson tore his ACL. Now he's out for the year, and that that is the team. We know the identity of that football team. They like to, to ground and pound and kind of feed off the running game, and I don't know that the running game is going to be as strong as, as it has been the last couple of years for Georgia. So, again, I, I think Alabama's kind of – 50-50 on a neutral site, but I do give them the edge because they are in Tuscaloosa. And then Georgia, to Wes's point earlier, I, I really like what Wes said about essentially, paraphrasing I am, Georgia's just been able to manhandle Tennessee, at, at least last year. Uh, that that was that was the difference. Georgia dominated Tennessee in the trenches and threw everything off. And, and mostly speaking about Georgia's defense going up against Tennessee's offense, Georgia dominated Tennessee in the trenches, threw everything off. I mean, yep. Tennessee couldn't even line up correctly, snap the ball on time. I mean, it, it was an absolute mess in, in Athens. And also what contributed, and to Wes's point about Georgia kind of figuring Tennessee out, and it's because Georgia has the personnel to do so, their DBs manhandled Tennessee's receivers last year as well. And, and there, there's a lot of talk about Georgia's DBs being really, really good this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Tennessee's receivers are going to have to prove something. I, I know it's kind of a different cast uh, of Tennessee receivers, but, uh, you know, Dante Thornton, Squirrel White, they're not the biggest dudes. Uh, and, and going up against physical DBs, I mean, that could be a huge concern. And, and Brew's got to – that's a game that Brew needs to impose his physicality. And, and Ramel Keaton, I, I don't know how he'll – kind of handle that type of situation. But I, I just think until Tennessee is able to match Georgia's physicality, they're, they're going to have a, a problem winning that football game. I'd take Carson Beck over any Alabama quarterback. Well, I, if, I think – And if they got what? in trouble – Based off of what? Because he's better quarterback. Why? Well, because they he plays a, for the two-time defending champ? No, because I think he's a better quarterback. They There's got no a five evidence star to city. prove that anybody's better. If anybody's a, the best, it's Tyler Buckner. He's the one that has the best resume right now. Well, they got, got a, what? Yeah, has it, a five star his, sitting behind him. 
If 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 Beck fails, they can go to Brock Vandegrift and be fine. Like that, they'll they'll be okay, and and they'll sort it out by the time they get to the Tennessee game, probably, which is the the bigger point and why I I did pick that as a loss. I'm a little surprised nobody picked Tennessee to beat Georgia. I thought one of you homers I, might go, <laughs> might go that route. Well, but I mean, Beck has looked good, and and I mean, if we're gonna say that Joe Milton looked good in mop up duty at times last season, use that as an example that hey, he could be a pretty good player. Then you got to say the same for Carson Beck. I mean, you know, when Jalen Milrow got a start against Texas A&M, Alabama barely won that game. And he had, I think, like three turnovers, right? I mean, he had a couple of sack fumbles. And, yeah, he can run around. And, and, and you know, he's maybe a little bit Anthony Richardson-like where if you let him get loose, he can run for a 70-yard touchdown on you. But uh, if you make him a pocket passer, your chance of winning go up Absolutely. extremely he's high. The, he's the Lamar Jackson of college. Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, I think the biggest Did thing... Did Lamar win a Heisman? I mean, and, and in, Jordan, terms of, in terms of bottling him up and, like, making him throw the football, if yeah, you bottle... And, up Lamar and make him throw the football. He he does not play well. And, and and you know in terms of Ty Simpson, it you know he apparently showed enough in the spring that Alabama's new offensive coordinator pulled the guy that at Notre Dame that he went to the portal to replace at Notre Dame to bring in and Tyler Buckner who had I think more uh, as many pick sixes uh, as he did touchdown passes to his own team last season with that offensive coordinator. So um, you know, and, and to George's running back, you know, they'll just put Brock Bowers back there if they have to. I mean, he's pretty You're good. They're not putting Brock Bowers back there. Uh, I mean, he's got more rushing touchdowns in his career than uh, some guys. I, Ty Simpson, I, I think Ty Simpson's issue is experience. Well, yeah, yeah, he's a red shirt freshman. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm just saying he's, uh, he doesn't sound like he's like ready you said to be a guy yet. Worst quarterback of, of all time. And, and like, I, I think that was also a safety net in case the youngsters. Milrow and Simpson oh, absolutely a thousand percent ready well, just yeah, like they've... Tennessee went out and got Joe Milton over Hint- when they had Hinton Hooker well the, the staff didn't bring in Hinton Hooker so that's different that's um, plus the other two guys in the in the quarterback room were only good enough to transfer to UNLV and Stephen F. Austin so yeah. look I I do think again I've said this I think the Alabama quarterback situation is a big question mark I really do I just don't think it's as detrimental as some are making out it out to be like there's reports of Jalen Milrow and and Ty Simpson like they make plays throughout fall camp and and in scrimmages there's just a, a lack of consistency there and also what's been plaguing them is that their receivers can't consistently catch the football which is a big deal in this era because again it's if you can't make a lot of explosive plays to the passing game you're I, you're in trouble to, to to wrap up sort of my thoughts on Tennessee this season and, and why I, one of the big reasons I think nine and three I mentioned depth that's definitely one big reason but Tennessee again had three All SEC players on what the coaches team and not one of them was a first team player if that's the case at the end of this season I think Tennessee's a nine win team at best I think they've got to have somebody emerge as a first team second team player that either didn't make that list or was lower on that list they've got to have Joe Milton be one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the SEC. They've got, to have, they've got to have a, a wide receiver step forward and be a, a second-team All-SEC guy probably at worst. They need, some, they need some guys to show that they're better than they were thought to be in those preseason polls. That could very well happen, but that's, that to me is one of the big things is do they have enough difference makers on this team? They have a ton of experience. They've just got to have some guys emerge as kind of stars for this team to take that step and be a 10-win team again. Yeah, I think my final thought before stepping out of here is that uh, by all of us predicting at least 9-3, we're all in that 9-3 or 9-3 to 10-2 to window, we're all suggesting that Joe Milton will be at least pretty good, and we're all suggesting that the secondary will be at least a little bit more consistent or at least a little bit better. So, And those are – They were 10-2 last year with the bad second – 
th- those to me those are far things from from given. So I mean, it, it's we're predicting it because I think we all believe that there's a better chance it happens than it doesn't. But you know, we're all I don't know if assuming is the right word, but we're all suggesting we think it's more likely that Joe Milton is good than than he's not. So. That's what this is going to come down to at the end of the day. It's going to come down to Joe Milton, maybe a little bit of the Cooper May situation. And the secondary, there you go. I mean, that's 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 a lot of it. So there's a lot to discuss about it. I mean, I, I think unless we're, we're a tiny bit over time here, anything else? Anybody got anything else? Because I, I think we've at least established why we believe the things we believe individually and collectively. So I think we're in a pretty good place here. But in case y'all forgot something, this is the time. I, I just – I would wrap up my final thought by saying that Tennessee football is going to be good this year. It's just a matter of of how good. And yes, I, I picked them to go nine and three. I know, I know. Uh, but hey, I did not pick them to lose to Kentucky like others. And I also had them winning a tenth game uh, in, in a bowl game. I don't Wait, care. No, who we it didn't is. do bowl. We didn't do bowl games. So the, I don't the, care. These predictions. Uh, chalk it up as another bold prediction. I don't care who it is or where it is. Tennessee will win a tenth game because Josh Heupel always has his team ready and prepared to play football regardless of the circumstances, which is why there will be no Alabama hangover in Lexington, Kentucky. But Patrick Mott, ultimately, like on a serious note, like it's a good thing that we're finally talking about Tennessee as the Georgia game, not an automatic loss. Alabama, not an automatic loss. Like Tennessee is back at a point to where Tennessee can absolutely win those football games. I I may not pick them to win on August 28th, but I absolutely recognize that Tennessee has a legitimate shot to go down to Tuscaloosa and win. And Tennessee has a legitimate chance to to beat Georgia at home. But what gives me pause and, and concern is that it is still year three after taking over a catastrophe. And, and that depth and, and talent is still being built up to where it needs to be in order to win those games. Yeah, and, and to your point, Ben, I mean, uh, I, I don't remember the poster's name. If you're listening, I'm sorry. But somebody in responding to our predictions was like, it's you know it's it's crazy that we can be mad about somebody picking nine and three. That's that was um, my final. That was the last thing I was going to say. It's, that's you know that's where you know two years ago we were like we were homers if we picked Tennessee to get to six wins. I mean that's just kind of how it was. Uh, and so this program has come a long way. And and you know I've had a lot of family and friends ask me how good they're going to be this season. I'm like I think they'll be pretty good. I think it'll be another fun season. I do. I think they're going to go win the national title. Probably not. I don't think they're there yet. But um, I think it, in summary. Uh, I, I I think the offense, it's hard not to take see them taking just a little bit of a step back. They're going to be good on offense. Are they going to average 46 a game? I don't think so because Hendon Hooker was just that daggum good. I mean, that And the clock's going to run, and the clock's going to run too. I, I don't even think that's that big of a deal. Um, Probably not. But I, but I do think to – I you think know, it matter a couple points a game. To compensate for – stop cutting me off. <laughs> So, uh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, everybody's been cutting everybody off for an hour and 10 minutes, and now all of a sudden you're getting a little snippy. No, no, I'm just messing around, Wes. Calm down. Uh, I, I think the offense will take a little bit of a step back, but to compensate for that, I think this defense will be better or at least continue to improve or at least be good enough for them to win nine or 10 games. Um, I agree. I just, think, I just think the culture of this program and the mindset, like, there's still enough guys who were on this team last year that, that you know, they had to fight through some. Uh, some tough times and, and you know, they, they've had the right mentality, I think, throughout the offseason that there's going to be games where they don't play great and they find a way to win at the end. Um, there were a couple of those last season. Um, and I think there will there there inevitably are going to be a couple of those games this season because that's just how it is in this league in the SEC. There's there's the margins are fine. Um, and sometimes you just got to have that edge mentally, that mental, you know, fortitude, sort of the 
the guts to go out and, and, and pull a game out when maybe you, you don't play your best or you do yourself a hole or whatever. So um, I think there's still enough of all of those. You take all those ingredients together, and I think, I think Tennessee can, can win at a very similar level to last season. Yeah, I, and, and look, look back at last season. A team as good as that Tennessee team was still had to win in, in overtime at Pittsburgh, still had to, to, to hold off a late comeback attempt by Florida, had to beat Alabama on a last-second field goal. You're going to be in some close games. It's going to come down to just the smallest of margins in probably a couple of these games. That's, that's where some of my question marks came into. But I agree, Patrick. And, and I think they take a small step back on offense, probably a step forward on defense. It adds up to being a similar team to last year. Just we'll see how high the ceiling is because I do think they need they, they need Joe Milton to be good. They, they need him to, to, to carry this team a little bit because I think they – and they need the running game um, because they, they have a, a, a good backfield that could make them a pretty good offense and, and pretty well balanced, but they need that offensive line to give that group the support it needs to be effective. Guys, welcome back to the era where a 9-3 and three season feels like a disappointment and an 8-4 and four season feels like a borderline disaster. Wel- welcome back to those times. It's, uh, it's, it's a little dangerous uh, to be in that position, but, but uh, for, we've seen for Tennessee in the past, but, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's good to be back covering football at that kind of level where 9-3 and three is seen as a bad year. And and eight and four is not a great year. So welcome back to that era. It's fun. We're just getting started. There's a lot to go talk about this year, and we're going to do all that. There's a lot more to talk about this week, and we're going to do that. We're going to preview uh, the Virginia game later in the week with um, our our coworkers who cover Virginia for for the uh, CBS twenty four seven Sports family. We're going to have a Thursday podcast as per usual. We got a lot of stuff to do this week, and we're going to go uh, get some writing done now so we can get to that stuff later in the week. So guys, thanks for being here and. Uh, be good, guys. Thanks. Well, sorry I got mad at you. Will you forgive me? Oh, you were forgiven. <laughs> yeah, I was never mad, but you're definitely forgiven anyway. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just want to clear the air before the podcast ends. I'm just <laughs> glad Wes could make it through his closing statement without somebody, a.k.a. Ryan Callahan or Patrick oh, Brown, my God. interrupting him or uh, Wes interrupting himself as well. So, Wes, thank you as <laughs> always, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Peace. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff 
uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.